I'm Tony Epstein, and this is the Magical Mystery Tour. Join us as we dive into the heart of things, exploring new ideas and new ways of seeing and being in this wondrous, crazy world we share together. This is a journey into sound. Brought to you in living color on WGDI. How do you like that? The fault, dear Buddhist, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. Good luck. We care about your world. Hi, Jody. Hello, and how are you today, Tonio? I'm good. How are you? I am breathing and wonderful. Thank you. So we're going to be talking about men <laughs> and working. Let's talk about men. <laughs> men, men and working with men and playing with men, perhaps. Um, playing, working, evolving, co-creating. Yes. Yeah. So what inspired you to want to work with men of all creatures? <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, it was really a series of interactions that I had with different men that sparked the question within myself, like, why are you not working with men in your leadership program? And the answer I came up with for myself was in the past, I wasn't comfortable. I was afraid to do that work. And now I'm not. And so, you know, one of the very special people in my life is my son. Uh, my son grew up with me as his mom. He had, you know, not very good experience with his dad. Um, so he's, you know, tried to figure out this manhood thing without having a lot of positive role models. The person I'm with now, my partner of 18 years, was a very good role model to him. But by the time we got together, my children had had enough of men and really didn't prefer to have a male authority in their life. And so him and I really worked on me being the parent and him being the supporter of that parenting and vice versa. He came with two kids and, and, you know, I was the same way with his two children. So my son is now a father and a partner and a hard worker, a provider of the family and asked me, when are you going to let men into your program? And um, the conversation started there. And so I just decided that I have no idea what's going to happen with this, just that I feel very compelled and called to, to open it up. I believe that there are men in the world um, that are aligned with me in, in a soulful way to come and experience feminism. And, you know, me, the masculinity part of the world, and then finding the common ground with that. I think that the world needs both. And what better way to do that than to just start? So I think the world needs loving 
male leaders, men that know how to get up in the morning and come to the day from the place of heart because the world calls for that. No question about that. So did you ask your son why he... Yeah, I did. I did. I said, so what is it that you... So the question I asked him is, what do you want more of in your life that you don't believe you can have? And he said, well, I just, you know, really my relationship with my partner, trying to parent my children, you know, still trying to overcome things from my past. And I said, well, what's the biggest worry that you think men have? And he said, being able to provide for the family and still enjoy life. <laughs> and I don't know that that's true for all men, but that's what he seemed to think. You know, that there's this underlying need and desire to be the best father and, you know, provider and supporter. Um, but a lot of men are coming to that from a place of lack because, you know, we grew up in a generation where, you know, I, my son's words, not mine, you know, men weren't allowed to cry. We didn't talk about emotions. You talked about emotions, mom, but the men in my life didn't. And, um, you know, we just learn at a very young age that you have to be strong and, and you have to work hard and you have to provide, or there's the flip side of, you know, men that want that, but they don't know how to be that. And therefore they're not that. So I'm looking for men who are ready to say yes to creatorship. And what I mean by creatorship is they're ready to say, I'm responsible for the outcomes of my life. And I'm willing to embrace information, tools, and support that are going to help me to get there with more ease. I'm looking for men that expect to show up. Um, I'm looking for men that might be afraid or scared to go inward and, you know, deal with emotion or deal with the harder inner questions, but they're willing to do it. And I'm, you know, I'm wanting to work with men that are on a spiritual journey and spirituality and science are kind of bridged together, that there's an understanding of universal laws and quantum law, and there's a willingness to embrace that while also exploring, you know, the past, the traumas of religion, um, how to co-collaborate in different belief systems without um, getting into war, because <laughs> don't we go to war over our values, not our logic. And I'm looking for men that generally want to live as compassionate hearts and souls in the world while still holding true to being a man. Is that making sense? <laughs> yeah, of course. Does it sound like you're one of those men, Tonio? Oh, I've been working on this most of my life because I never, I never really fit into the uh, what you might call the the traditional American role of a man in in our yeah. culture. I I rebelled against most of that because mm -hmm. I saw so much male violence and male mm -hmm. ignorance and male stupidity and mm -hmm. all of the negative attributes of the modern American or modern Western male mm -hmm. going on right. all, the, all the time. Yeah. 
And I grew up not feeling particularly comfortable or trusting of men. I can't say that I was, I grew up feeling terribly trustful of women either because my mother was bipolar and had severe emotional issues as well. And of course, growing up in school, girls can be pretty nasty in their own and and manipulative in their own ways in the way they relate to boys and but but i found that the way boys and men treat other boys or other men is just mm-hmm. it's not life affirming at all to put it right mildly yeah so i hear in your in your sharing that there's a a general internal flame for compassion you know and that's that's of course the seed that we want to grow. I think that there are a lot of men in the world who are suffering in silence that actually want to rebel against, you know, the paradigm of what men are supposed to be. You know, in Western or world cultures, you know, fear versus love will just stick with that. And they haven't found a place to do that yet because society hasn't given the permission for that to even happen. So I think that's what I'm wanting to do is create the container where people have permission to lead through the lens of love and to feel supported in that journey and to be the mirror back to the needs of men. Like I don't, I'm not coming into this that I know anything. I'm simply coming into this with a foundation and structure, um, an open heart and a willingness to let it be messy and uncertain because that's the place where the magic happens. But the general readiness is that there has to be a willingness. There has to be um, an internal desire to wake up in the morning and create life from a place of love. And that requires a willingness to embrace compassion um, and heart-centered communication, a willingness to embrace Um, I believe like the purpose of our life is to discover our creatorship and creating can be, you know, I wake up and I'm going to create, you know, playfulness in my relationship with my husband today, or it could be, I wake up and I'm going to create a meal that is going to support the well-being of my body. I'm going to create space to be by myself and meet my need for solitude, like some people think creatorship is like, I'm going to create all of these magnificent, amazing, exceptional things in my life. To me, an exceptional life is, you know, that we're getting up and that we generally feel like we have purpose in our day. And then from that purpose, we're always making a difference in the world because we're always interacting with people, places, and things. So I believe that it's at a very simplistic fundamental grassroots place that we are going to shift the trajectory of our humanity. I don't think people have to be the guru to make a difference. I think ordinary people wake up every day with the capacity to do extraordinary things in their own lives and in the lives of the people that they serve, which is their families, their workplaces, and their communities. And I want to help men to be be that and grow into what is it that you want to do in the world like what 
What are you inspired to do as a result of who you choose to be? The doing comes after the being. Yep. Yeah. The, the creative part is, is really important. And mm-hmm. what I've been learning for a long time is that a big part of being creative is the ability to recreate ourselves and the world mm-hmm. that we live in, because in a very real sense, we're creating or recreating the world and ourselves in every moment. Mm-hmm. Right? This is true. So the perspective that we bring to ourselves and the world uh, has a huge effect on the way that we we engage in that creative process. And I think one of the problems we have in our society is that pretty much everybody is doing that unconsciously, which means that their their creative process is defaulting, you know, defaulting to their past. Right. And so they're, they're re- literally recreating the same old thing over yeah. and over again in each moment and then wondering why nothing changes in their life. Right. Well, society perpetuates that because if you look at the spiritual world and you look at the self-help world, it's often about healing or fixing. Like we, we have to fix what's wrong with us or we have to heal our past trauma. And even I am guilty <laughs> of perpetuating that. But what I'm coming to know in a more profound way is that if we look at it through the lens of love, every human being was born pure. Like we weren't born into the world needing to be fixed. And so in order to create something, like you're saying, we have to be able to see beyond what is. And that means that we have to be able to experience the impossible in our mind even though there's no evidence from the past that that's possible for us because the brain is always going to go to the past experience to create in the now and so people just don't know like when i'm sitting here pondering you know people say i'm pondering on my choices what you're really doing is you're taking the ball of you know, the, the ego and you're, you're tossing it between your hands, deciding (laughs) what belief you're going to live from today, because the brain always, 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 no matter what, unless you are going above and beyond the conscious, the unconscious brain, and you know how to do that, you're always going to be thinking about past experiences to make decisions about the now. And what you do in the now is always going to create what comes in the future. And this was the part that my son was fascinated about. I was like, that's what I want to stop. I want to stop working so hard and believing that I can't make money doing less. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. And I taught you how to do that, Adam. As your mom, you got to watch me my whole life work, 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 provide, 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 and not actually have a lot to show for it physically. Now, granted, I was always doing a lot of self-help work, but my physical environment never actually changed a lot, especially around finances, because the story of the past is it's not okay to have wealth. It's not okay to have abundance. It's not okay to charge for the services that you provide at the level that you're worthy of charging. It's you know, you, you work hard, you earn, and you give it away. 
And so, you know, even when I ran a $2.5 million budget, supervised 52 people and was a community organizer and I had all of these skills and I was able to like achieve these beautiful things and help a lot of people. My physical reality is my accounts are overdrawn and I, I don't have any assets to show for my hard work. On the health perspective, coming at it from, well, I have to fix my eating disorder. I'm an addict. So if you just listen to the energy of that, I'm, I'm a recovering addict and I choose sobriety for my life and I can never, ever, 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 ever have a bite of sugar again. <laughs> now to the brain, that is absolutely like fighting words. But as I white knuckled that addiction for years, as many people white knuckle addictions and I would have relapses, it was never about love it was always about how do i hold it together like how do i fix this part of myself that i can't stand i i can't stand that i'm an addict i'm ashamed of it and so i would just create more opportunities to relapse so even in those types of perpetual stories and beliefs fundamentally we're in lack because there's something broken or I don't have what I want. And whenever we wake up feeling like we don't have what we want, we're in a story of lack and lack perpetuates more lack. So if all I'm focusing on is the one part of me that I want to change, then there's going to be resistance because it's a push. It's like, I have to fix this part of me before the rest of me can be okay. And that I think is the dilemma. So leading life through the lens of love is really about knowing yourself deeply, embodiment of love qualities. So like, what does it look like to live from love with yourself first and then with others? And then obviously the skills, specific skill type sets that help hold the space between where a person is right now and being like the embodiment of I'm lovable right now, I'm worthy right now, I'm enough right now, even on my worst day, even if even if it's hard to be where I am right now, can I, am I willing to get into the heart space and feel lovable and worthy and enough? Because that right there is the energy that holds the space for the creating. And it's really hard to put it into daily practice because we think that what's in front of us is real. We, we believe that what is, is what is, especially, and I think, you know, my son says to me, that's going to be the hardest part, mom, because it doesn't make any sense what you're saying. <laughs> it's not logical. Right. That's, that's like, yeah, that's, that's a really important thing to realize that you have to overcome somehow. And, and it's the challenge that we all have. And most people don't even realize that, that it's an actual challenge right. to overcome. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to just bringing awareness to all of these opportunities, um, new ways of thinking about life. And um, I'm looking forward to playing with it, you know, being playful with it um, and just practicing like, what does it feel like to be in a man's body and be lovable, worthy and enough, even when your wife doesn't want to spend time with you or, you know, what is it like? And then getting to the core of what are the things that you men are longing for, not because I want to put people in lack, but it's just to bring the awareness and then how to create 
how to create. I have that now and I have it in the future. And I don't have to live in lack now. But to have it in the future and have it now, there's a lot of internal shifting that will have to happen in order to align with with the desired reality now. So for example, this morning I was in a story in my mind. I, I have some unexplained weight gain, you know, in the last four months. And so there's this story coming up in my mind about how this 10 pounds, somehow this 10 pounds that I've gained, you know, creates this, I'm not worthy anymore. I don't know. Yeah. I know where it comes from. It's, it's an old program. And the more I try to fix that 10 pounds, like I am going to lose this 10 pounds, <laughs> the more resistance I create because I'm not willing to accept myself as I am because there's a belief that something is wrong with carrying an extra 10 pounds. And so for me, I choose to shift the story and go, you know, I just have vital health. I have it now and I have it in the future. And then instead of focusing on the 10 pounds, I focus on where, where is vital health showing up in your life right now? Wow, Jody, you're really strong. You are physically fit. Vital health is showing up for you in your sleep. You're sleeping, you know, eight hours a night. Vital health is showing up with you in your um, ability to have more physical energy. And I just start noticing what's here right now. And all of a sudden, I'm not thinking about the 10 pounds. I'm focused on vitality right now looks like this. And so every choice that I make every day, I ask, is this, is this creating lack in the now or is this creating love in the now? And when we do that, all of our programming starts to reveal itself. And most people will say, oh, well, that's the part of me I have to heal. Nope. It's actually the program that you developed at the age that you needed to develop it in order to protect yourself so that you could be safe and belong in the tribe that you were born into. This is what we are born to do. We are born to be accepted and to belong and to be loved. So when we're born into a family and the environment is lacking those things, then we, our brain creates a way to survive it. And then that becomes familiar to the brain and safe to the brain. And so then the brain begins to seek out more experiences to create that because it's safe. The brain doesn't care that it's painful. The brain doesn't care that it causes harm. The brain cares that you survived it and you're safe. So when we're trying to create something different in our future, then the brain is going to always go, no, no, no. We don't know what it feels like to have more than $30,000 a year for a salary. So yeah, I'm not really willing to let you have that. And if you're not conscious of that and understand that it's just programming and the programming actually can be really, it can be upgraded like the computer that we talked about. You can upgrade your programming simply by doing some, you know, basic exercises of, you know, what is it? what is the desired reality? Like, what is something I would just love because I would just love it? And then tell the story of why you don't believe you can have it. And then that feeling that comes from that, if you ask your body to go, what age did I start believing that it wasn't okay to make money? Your subconscious will normally call up an age. 
And then you can begin to ask your body and your subconscious brain to release the old programming and upgrade the old programming. But you have to be able to see and feel what that new programming would be like. And it's very hard to do. And it's one of the parts that I struggled with. I shouldn't say it's very hard to do. For some people, getting in the state of abundance when they're living in lack is, is a process. And so being able to do that requires our willingness to spend time and spend commitment on doing that. Otherwise, we can want something like my son can say, I want to create an intimate relationship with my partner. But when he was a child, intimate relationships were not safe for many reasons. And so his brain has created a protective mechanism that he uses in his life to keep people out so that there's, there's always just, just enough love. But it's not intimate. You know, it's like you're cared for. And as much as he tries to go beyond that, he ends up back in the same situation because the brain is not comfortable and he hasn't addressed the programming. So the programming is a big part, but it's not about fixing it and it's not about healing it. It's about upgrading it. It's about teaching your brain that you don't need that program anymore because you're good. You're an adult. I'm safe and I don't have to keep myself safe. So it's, it's really teaching your brain like it's safe to earn more money. It's safe to love others. It's safe to um, trust yourself right now. But the logical mind is always going to come up with, no, nope, it's not. Because remember in the past when these five things happened, it is not safe to do that. <laughs> right, Tonio? I'm sure that's happened for you. <laughs> the perpetual cycles. Yeah, yeah. And it it sounds great that you have your son as a kind of lab rat in your life. <laughs> he's, a, he's such a cute lab rat too. Well, he's ready. So, so he's ready. Like five years ago, he was in resistance. Like you can't tell me what to do. Like he had to, we all have to be in enough pain. So I always say like, when people are stuck in the land between, that's when they're fully ready. And the land between is the land between the current reality that someone's living in that's causing pain and the desired reality that they believe will make them feel, will bring them happiness. So the land between is the holding space. And as long as we're in the land between and we're continuing to perpetuate lack through the lens of I have to fix something or I have to change something before I can have something, you'll always be chasing and you'll always be pushing and healing and seeking and surviving. When you can surrender and accept where you are and begin to create the programming for I already have this now and in the future, and then you have to upgrade the choice that you're making. So like for my son, I would say, you know, if you want to know what you need to do different, just look at what you're saying right now and what you're doing right now in the relationship and ask yourself, is it creating connection or disconnection? Disconnection, mom. Okay, well, if it's creating disconnection, what do you have to stop saying? What do you have to stop doing? And he'll say, well, I need to stop stepping in and taking over when she's trying to provide guidance to our oldest son. I need to stop 
making smart remarks when she's being, you know, smart with me. Like I, I need to not throw the baseball back when she says something that's triggering. I need to stop having to have the last word. I was like, okay, so why do you think you do those things? So like, what do you, what's happening for you that leads you into those behaviors, those choices that you make? And he'll go into the story about how, well, she doesn't listen to me and this and that. And I'm like, okay, so you're going into the story of blaming and shaming and complaining, but I'm asking you to go inward and ask if I was going to create the life that I say I want, what are the, what does, what does an intimate relationship feel like? And he couldn't do it because he hasn't experienced it at that level. So the brain can't do it, it like literally. So then there's work we have to do there. It's in there. The cells of the body have recorded intimacy at some time in their life. And so the way that I helped him to go in there is like, well, think of a time in your life when you felt very like warm and fuzzy and loved. And he was like, oh, well, I remember when I used to sit on your lap and you would read stories and you would make those funny jokes and we would just laugh and giggle. And I'm like, so now think about that memory and just imagine that you're in your heart space, you're, you're in your heart and just feel your heart get softer. And then let that grow a little bit in your body and just feel that grow. And then ask your body to grow that feeling. And I just did this with him for like five minutes. And by the time we were done, he had created an electromagnetic field around himself. He's like, oh my God, I'm like bubbling right now. And I'm like, okay, so now you know what it feels like to be in an intimate space. What would words and actions look like in your relationship that would help create more intimacy? And so then we went into that discussion and he's like, well, I could, I could ask her, you know, do you want my help right now? And if she says no, I could step away. And if she does ask for my help, I could say, well, what would be most helpful instead of forcing my, so he's getting it, right? He's starting to get it. And then I, and I said, so, okay, so that's with your parenting, but what about with your relationship? And I won't go into the details because it's my son's story. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that where we landed with this is I'm afraid of rejection. If I put myself out there in that way, because he was able to answer the questions. If I put myself out there in that way, what if I'm rejected? Do you see? So then it had, then we, we start going into the exploratory discussion of that, but it's not about something's broken or something's wrong. If you want to create the desired reality, what do the choices, the behaviors look like? And then backtracking what keeps you from doing that. And there's the programming and the fear. And that's what has to be addressed. It's not about fixing it or healing it. It's about up-leveling, upgrading, like our ability to take action towards something that is not, or maybe in the past someone had an intimate relationship and it didn't turn out very well. And therefore there's like a, a wall around the heart. Like I am not going to be open <laughs> because that really sucked. And I'm never going through that again. Um, the first step is always, this is what I want to create. This is what I choose to create. And in that choice, I'm going to hold the space between here and there as if it's already done for me. 
And that requires willingness. That's the work we're doing. Yeah, I've played around a lot in that sandbox. And yeah. one of the things I've discovered, and you you touched on it, is connecting with the feeling, the mm -hmm. actual feeling of having yeah. what we want. And we also have to do a lot of self-reflection or, or investigation about what it is that we want and why we want it. Because often the reason we want something is a superficial reason and we actually need to go deeper to what's underlying the reason yeah exactly well and the superficial reason is usually if we like you said if you go deeper there's a feeling that you're hoping to achieve by obtaining the physical result of something yeah and so i remember being in that place you know my intention was you know i am living in a financially abundant life but when i would go into the why question it was more about the things i wanted or you know, if I, if I have this, I'll be happier. You know, if I have this, I'll feel better. But like, as I evolved and I began to really go deep into that question, what I realized is I wanted the freedom of finances. I wanted the ability to serve with money, to do good things in the world. And then when I would go deeper with that, I realized like, if I can't be happy now, right now with what I am, who I am, what I have, then I'm always going to be in the energy of wanting. And the energy of wanting is always going to lead to lack. And it's just the science. So this is a full surrender. Like I got to a point where I went, I guess I'm just going to practice being happy because <laughs> anything else is really hard right now. And I just, I surrender. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. And yeah. I have, I've struggled with money most of my life. We grew up dirt poor. Yeah. And, you know, inevitably that'll instill uh, quite a, a level of poverty consciousness inside of a child. And I have struggled with all of that. And I've failed miserably in all my attempts to play the money game. And now I don't know if this is true, you know, for certain, but it seems to me that what I had to do was to just accept where I was and go for what it was that I most deeply wanted. And mm -hmm. that was experiencing real abundance in my life, which was time and energy that even working for a living used up way too much of my time and energy, leaving me with basically a sense of lack, mm -hmm. not, not only in terms of energy and time, but also money. <laughs> At the same yeah. time. So it's kind of paradoxical. But then probably about 30 years ago, I came across something that helped me completely reassess my approach to money. And basically, mm -hmm. it revealed to me that I have a choice, my life or my money, you know, my money or my life. And I, I realized, oh, yeah, well, that's that question is a piece of cake, my life, obviously. And yeah. I still tried to make money after that but it just didn't work it seemed to it seemed as if and i'm fully acknowledging that that this is what it, it seemed appeared to be and it could be very much influenced by the poverty consciousness that i grew up with but it seemed to me that the universe was basically telling me or reminding me that what i wanted 
was not in the realm of money, but was actually in my own life and what I could create within my life without thinking about money or without being concerned about money. So I spent a lot of time creating a life that was as independent from money as possible, but cultivating the feeling quality of creating what I really most deeply wanted. And that has been very satisfying. I'm not saying that <laughs> that I don't have challenges, but I make an incredibly tiny, tiny amount of money. And yet my life is rich, it's abundant, and I don't lack for money. I mean, obviously I can't do the things that some of the things that I might like to do or that might even be good for me to do. But what I do yeah. have as a result of that is, is so incredibly valuable. And I look at a lot of people around me and I see that they don't have that. They're not, right. they're not aware that they have the ability and the choice to choose that in their lives. And your question, does this belief or does this choice that I'm considering come from lack or from fear is very closely related to that. I mean, you could also ask the question in a different way. Does this action or does this belief lead me toward the feeling that I'm most wanting to create at the core of my being or not, you know? Absolutely. So, so I love that question. That is such a powerful and super simple and yet revelatory question. Yeah, because it comes back to the internal state of being. And, you know, because my job is to listen carefully, I mean, I heard you explain your process that led you to this choice of money or my life. And then I listened to you talk about how, you know, I make less than most people would desire and I have an abundant life. I, I, I live very rich. And I remember when I first, this is probably six years ago, made the transition from external happiness to internal happiness. And I went, I'm going to be a millionaire. And I felt it and because I don't need to be that anymore. I don't like I have, I don't desire that. Right. So desire the life we desire. Why did I desire that? So now when you can live from, I already have enough now and in the future, that's how you create more in the future. But what it isn't about, and I don't know that this is you, I'm just going to say it. What this isn't about is dimming our light or dummying down our dreams because it's so hard that we're just like, screw it. I'm going to surrender to where I am and I'm just going to settle for what I think I have to settle for so that I don't have to deal with the hardness over there. I believe that we can, we can have both, that we can have an abundant life, doing work that we love, providing service, getting paid for our service, and that the more people we serve, the more abundance we create, and the more abundance we create, the more people we can serve. Now, there are choices that one has to make within that. And those choices are always going to be linked to programming. So for example, if I say I choose 
a life of financial abundance. And I'll just put a number on that. I choose to earn a minimum of $100,000 a year for my personal salary. Then my decisions have to align with what that would look like. But my decisions won't align with what that would look like if my programming is telling me that I can't charge more than I'm charging or it's not okay you know, to work less <laughs> and allow money to flow. Like if I believe that I have to work hard to earn money and that the only way to earn money is working hard, then it's always gonna be hard to earn money. What I've come to learn is I can actually earn more money, serve more people, doing less work, more self-love, self-care, because I've up-leveled my programming and now I can ask for help where in the past I would have to feel like I had to do everything myself. I used to believe that no one would volunteer time to help me. And when I shifted that programming, when I up-leveled that program that I am worthy of help, that there are people in the world that choose to help through the lens of volunteering because they have a need for that, or there's an exchange of service. Those people started to show up in my life. When I stopped believing that I couldn't charge for things and I just shifted and said, people are happy to give money to me. I don't have to work for free. That's a choice that I'm making. And I just started opening up my programs for donations. I'd say, you know, here is the price scale. This is the minimum amount and this is the maximum. I was blown away at how many people chose to pay larger amounts of money than I would have ever thought comfortable billing. And it was all because my programming wasn't allowing me to do it. That's the difference. So I am a pure example. I grew up in a home that we actually were not poor, but my parents spoke and behaved as if we were, and therefore I believed that we were. So, you know, when we were at the table, there was scarcity for food because mom made just enough. And there might be a little bit for seconds, but not everyone was having seconds. But there was plenty of food in the house. It's just the way meals were served. And we weren't allowed to eat between meals. So you ate at mealtimes. And if you didn't eat all your food, you didn't get dessert. So then there was that whole thing around you eat to get the sugar. You know, so those, all of those psyche things created, you know, you work hard before you play. I was telling the story on my daily coaching program this morning about when I was six years old, seven years old, turning seven. It was my birthday and my stepdad, with good intention, came up to me and said, good morning, give me your right hand. And he put the pitchfork in the right hand and then he's give me your left hand. And he put the shovel in the left hand. And he said, happy birthday. Welcome to your new life where you work before you play, because this is what the real world is like. Now in his mind, he believed that to be true. And it wasn't his intention to harm me, but boy, did that leave an imprint on my psyche where work always came before play. So even if I'd have had an opportunity, which I did many in my last business to take vacations and enjoy life, work would come first. Even though I knew that work was burning me out and vacations would be nice and yummy, I had to be pried away. So programming is very, very powerful, but it's not hard to upgrade programming if you can understand how it works. And yeah. I believe that that's the miracle of today's science. This is This is the information that we didn't have even seven or eight years ago, at least in the mainstream of the way things are. So I'm grateful that it's more available, that there's more opportunity to understand it at a practical level. 
and it's very subtle sometimes. Yeah. Very, very subtle. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. So, um, yeah, I, I was living out in San Diego, you know, Southern California for many years, the land of affirmations and positive thinking and prosperity, mm -hmm. consciousness, and everybody wanting to be a millionaire and all that kind of very superficial stuff done through the the new age kind of montramic approach to life. But I I was fortunate enough to learn the hard way that what I really wanted was financial freedom. And to me, yeah. that was what real financial abundance was, was financial freedom, not, mm -hmm. and also, you know, I, I'm probably not a, a good model for you in some ways or for that side of things, but I get to serve in a way that's really wonderful for me. And I don't get paid for it at all. I, mm -hmm. I do full-time plus service, but I've also been working on something that you touched on in your own way that I've approached money and resources mm -hmm. to survive by working creatively with what I call the universe, you know, mm -hmm. with developing a relationship in which I feel in my being that the universe will provide what I need. Yes. If I follow what works for me, what feels good to me, Mm -hmm. and is in alignment with what I'm, what's most important to me, then the universe will in its own, own way, not, not necessarily my way, but in its own way, because I've come to realize that the universe knows me better than I know myself, and therefore has a much better insight into what I need in any moment, or in any situation. And so I have chosen to to the best of my ability <laughs> to surrender to that understanding mm -hmm. and and not try to assert my own individual let's say egoic desired way mm -hmm. or outcome because mm -hmm. that's coming from a very limited perspective and i just mm -hmm. i feel like i've gained so much from acknowledging that that approach is so limited and it's based on a very limited perspective of everything, including myself. And that if I could somehow connect to something much larger than myself and also trust it to not so much to take care of me, although I have this feeling that, that because I am an integral part of the universe, um, the universe naturally takes care, well, it's a co-creative thing. And of course, it doesn't always pan out the way we might want. Some people have to die or get injured or have crises in their lives. So it's not like our vision of, of the way we're taken care of is necessarily going to be what comes to us. But even the crises that arise in our lives, if they're approached in the right way, can really help to um, awaken us and reveal a better path or not so much a better, a, a path that that's more in alignment with love rather than fear or absolutely in alignment with what's, what we're most deeply wanting as opposed to what we think we may be wanting. Right. So those are, those are the fundamental dynamics that I've been working with for many years 
And when I listen to you, I don't feel like I'm necessarily, I'm certainly not as clear as you are in the way you can talk about it and lay it all out. But I, I feel like I've done pretty well, all things considered in my life, yeah. you know, c- considering all the stuff that I, I've started out with. And it makes me think about, you know, getting back to working with men, that there's a huge unlearning process that that everyone has to go through, but especially men, it seems. Well, no, no not especially. Women have their own um, crosses to bear as a as a gender in this culture. Mm-hmm. So it's not that one is any more difficult than the other. Um, in many ways, of course, women have to take on the burden of dealing with the way men take out um, their stress or aggressions on them because there's this this old kind of ancient inbred uh, programming that that somehow men own women or that women belong to them and, and that men can do whatever they want with women, that women exist for their own mm-hmm. pleasure or whatever. And we're seeing that um, hit the wall these days. And we're also seeing the backlash of those you know, men who have grown up with that sense of entitlement, rebelling against the notion that that's not okay. So it's an interesting time that we're living in. It's a very interesting time. What I heard you describing beautifully is soul alignment. That when you choose a life that is in alignment with what you most want from the, you know, the heart space, not the mind space, then you're there's a deeper level of trust and acceptance and that you're always provided for and that's actually what love is love is meant to be i am in alignment with my highest self and the purpose that i'm here to experience as a being and as a doing and what we do does not define our purpose who we choose to be within our day is our is our purpose right we we create from that not from i have to find my purpose i have to search for it and seek it we we create from a place of connectedness with ourselves and that's what you're describing so energy alignment is so much around i'm going to align my frequency with you know the quantum frequency because when i'm in alignment with that frequency miracles actually show up because it's synchronicity that's like where synchronicity and miracles happen soul alignment is when i'm aligned with my highest good through that lens of love it's all interconnected and so i hear you describing like i have internal peace and fulfillment therefore i have it now and in the future like you're not needing or wanting it you have it now if you wanted to you could choose to reconsider like what is it that i really want just because i want it because it would make life wonderful and because i want to create a life i love like people have this underlying belief that it's not okay to want more than just enough which is usually the secondary place that we land after we get out of lack (laughs) so it's not right or wrong if you wake up in the morning and you say you know i live a very fulfilled life i'm content I'm open to growth, I'm open to service, I'm open to receiving, and that 
brings happiness to you and you feel like you're stretching yourself a little bit at a time, that's, that's like, that's the life of exceptionalism that I'm talking about. Like exceptionalism is the life that you choose to create in alignment with your highest good in your path. And it looks different for everyone. And there's no defining what it is. The person themselves has to get in alignment with what that is. I, I choose to believe that I can have, you know, I can work in a profession where I can help people that can't afford what I bring and that I can also make a lucrative salary doing what I love and that that will grow and that it will employ people, which will touch their lives and that people are happy to give. So my question to you, Tony, and this is just a question. I'm not asking you to agree with it or anything. It's just what I do is to think about not getting, you know, what you currently earn, the current work that you're doing and how you get paid. And then just say, if I were going to set my intention that I'm choosing, you know, a different amount of money for myself and I was wanting to stay in the field and profession that I'm in doing what I'm doing, what would be a way to create more income? without doing a lot more work. <laughs> now you don't have to know the answer to it. You can just say universe, if I'm meant to evolve beyond where I am and I'm choosing this for myself, show me, show me the opportunity because sometimes we just think things are the way they are and there is no other way to do it. I didn't think that I could charge for my free events. And then I said, you know what? I'm just going to start putting out a donation link and see what happens. And lo and behold, people were happy to donate. So that came to me through a meditation when my soul said, go charge for your free event instead of giving it away for free. I didn't ask myself. I just, it came through me and I went, okay. And I had up-leveled my program. I had been working on up-leveling my program. So I was able to receive that and then take action on it. And this is the other place that people get stuck. The universe is always sending us people, places, and things to evolve and programming keeps us stuck in our ability to receive it and i see this in the enrollment with our programming you know i'll have 150 people sign on and want to create a life of exceptionalism but then so they've been asking you know i want a better life and the universe sent them an opportunity and i'm telling them you don't even have to pay for it because in vermont we have a beautiful grant program and you qualify and then they don't take the opportunity and then they go back and they ask, oh, my life is so hard. And they ask again. And the universe will send another opportunity. And then the programming will, I don't have time. I don't have the energy. Maybe I'll, I'll start next week. I'll start next year. You know, once I, once I can cut my hours back at work, 10 hours, but it doesn't work that way. Because your programming is what keeping you where you are. So we have to be open to receiving the opportunities that are put in front of us. And we, then we have to be open to restructuring our programming to align with the actions that we would have to take. And if there's a belief that this is going to suck the life out of me, or, you know, I'm going to have to take time out of my personal life to do it, then it becomes something we have to fix versus something we have to align. And therefore we would say no. So that's just been my experience. And I'm just getting to the place this past couple of years, mostly in the last year where it's like, ah, oh, I get this, like I'm living it. Where three years ago, I was like, man, <laughs> still in the land between. And so I just coming back like you're doing, Tony. I just kept coming back to I already have what I need right now. But I never let go of my intention. 
I always held space for the dream. I just wasn't willing, like I hear this in you, I'm not willing to sacrifice my self-care or my time with people or whatever it is that you love for that. And I think that is perfect way to hold space. So dream big and then live now and then be open to receiving, receiving the support and asking for the support and ask for it to show up in the way that you are wanting it to show up. So for me, it was, I'm asking for the support of a volunteer, someone that will benefit from taking my class and would be happy to reciprocate through volunteering to do work in the computer for the back end of my program. And a student showed up in my program and asked me, I didn't even look for her. She said, would you be willing? I noticed that you have a lot to do on the back end and I would love to be able to help you with this. And I would be like, well, what would you like to be paid? And she said, actually, I'm in a place in my life right now where getting paid is not an option. I would love to volunteer my time. And my goal would be to learn the skills that it takes to run the back end of your programming, which will lead me to eventually claiming the employment. Now that's a miracle. I didn't ask, for, all I asked for was the support. I didn't ask for how, but I was clear about what I wanted and how I needed it to show up right where I was at that time. Because the belief was, I can't hire a virtual assistant. I don't have enough money. Well, I'm going to have to work harder to make more money. That's the old programming. The new programming is, I'm choosing to expand my business. What is it that will help me to expand my business? Having help on the back end. Okay, so I have help on the back end of my program. I have it now and I have it in the future. Dear universe, I thank you <laughs> for sending me a volunteer. I love her or him and I write it as if it's already done. And then I sit in that and I feel the support of that. And it's like, I'm free. I can feel it. And then I let it go. And then I get up and I'm like, okay, today I have. I have the help that I need now and in the future. Now, the help that I might need right now is probably me. But I'm going to make sure that I'm saying thank you for the me. Because when you notice and, and put energy on what it is that you have, more of what you have always shows up. It's the law. It's the law of reciprocity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was doing really good work with myself in that realm, like 15 to 20 years ago. And then after, I'd say in the last seven or eight years, I've gotten kind of lazy because I was doing so well with it. And, and I'm realizing that, oh yeah, I could go back to that practice again. And I had a, a simple practice. Well, it, of course, this is just one little tiny piece of it, but it's, it's a very important key it was a practice of every morning before I get out of bed, I would spend 10 minutes just writing. I want the things that I want. And mm -hmm. over time, I did this for many years. And over time, we really refine down to what it is that we really want. And, and of course, new things will appear, like we'll become aware of things that we think we want. And that would go on my list. And over time, I would see patterns in like I'd be repeating the same thing over and over again and, and other things would fall away or, or I would get 
I inevitably got the things that I really wanted, but I, I got lazy, I, I would say. And I would say that you got safe and comfortable. Yeah, well, that's that's similar. It's the same sort of thing, but I but I got lazy too because I, I stopped practicing and I started collecting Social Security a couple of years ago. And well, here's a here's a quick story about what happened back during that time. Sure. Um, I got into a car accident. It was pretty much my fault, I realized. And it was a, a young kid driving too fast, but it was I was the primarily at fault. And interestingly enough, that day I was driving a car that was not insured. I wasn't driving the car that I regularly drive that was insured and was spring. So it was right before I was transitioning and I just decided to drive this other vehicle and I wasn't insured for the accident. So um, we worked it out with the other driver in a very friendly way. And oddly enough, I didn't feel any stress about any of that. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was going to have to pay this out of pocket. And I already had an idea looking at that person's car, <laughs> what it might cost. And we worked it out fine. It was no problem. And within a week, I was offered and given a job doing something that I loved. And it was meant to be temporary. And it turned out that it paid the exact amount of the damages I had to pay for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the job continued on for years after that. And this was like, this was clearly to me, the universe reaffirming this relationship, this mutually supportive relationship yeah. that I had been cultivating for years and trusting in and believing in as, as my dominant programming. Yeah. Well, the point that I wanted to go with you is that if, if your life is fulfilled and you generally wake up feeling fulfilled in your life, then you have everything you need now. You get to choose anything that you want in your future. And there's no wrongness in choosing to be where you are. That's, I think, what I'm wanting people to understand. Like, we all get to create our life of exceptionalism. It looks different for everyone. My only intention is that people understand how we do have the option of creating it. Mm -hmm. And that along the way, we are going to be up-leveling our programming. We are going to be presented with universal lessons and we're also going to have karma, things that we are carrying, you know, belief contracts where we won't allow ourselves to have certain things just because of a contract, which is very close to beliefs. And so it's just knowing that is power and then choosing, you know, to dabble the toe in the fact that we actually have choice in our creatorship to me is powerful. So that's what I want to bring to this dialogue with men like and leadership is about you know jack's definition jack russell self-staying leadership he would say you know a person has to have the growing capacity and the moral courage to do the right thing for the right person at the right time and it's always going to be based on increased self-knowing so we're all getting up and doing the best that we can in the knowing that we have and therefore there, there's no wrongness it can't be wrong because we're doing what we know at the time that it is so therefore it's perfect and some people are not here to evolve and so they're not open to the influence of this 
But imagine if even if we could just um, help support the idea that men have the information tools and support they need to thrive in their families, that would be that in itself would change <laughs> the world because it all starts in our homes. That's what I believe. I believe it starts in our home and then into the workplace and community. The workplace and the community right now where there's struggle and survivorship is a reflection of our homes. We have all of these programs to fix the homes. You know, how much money goes into paying for things like social welfare, human services, mental health, because people are trying to fix what they think is broken. What if homes were just whole and that people in the homes had what they needed to create that? That's where I want to go. And I know that it's not for everybody. It's for a selective group of heart-centered men who don't know that they're heart-centered yet. Or maybe they do know they're heart-centered, but they're feeling alone and like they don't have a place to belong because they are operating outside of the mainstream like you talked about yourself. Like I, I would imagine that, you know, being on the outside of the mainstream, the dreamer, the seeker, the, you know, the visionary, the change maker, people working in fields of healing and helping like these are the people that connect with this because internally they know there's something better and they want it they desire it and they're willing to take action for it to happen those are the people that we're calling into leading life through the lens of love for men so basically empowering men to create what it whatever it is that they're most wanting in their life through the lens of love as a way to improve, <laughs> right? Because to me, like you brought this up and you did a beautiful job. Like we're not here for ourselves. We're here to evolve and to provide service to others. In order to provide service to others, we have to first be able to serve ourselves. So service looks different in every area. Sometimes service is I'm the stay-at-home dad and my service is to the family today. But if that service is coming from programming that's fear and ego and you know trauma and, and all of the past junk, then we're raising another generation of that. But if the, if the interactions and the creating of the caring for the child is coming from a place of compassion and patience and connectedness and oneness and needs-based versus, you know, authoritative, that creates a very different result. So yeah, it's what did you, what is it that you want to create? But if if what you want to create is more stuff in your life because you believe that's going to make you happy, we can start there. But the evolution is always going to come back to what really makes somebody happy isn't outside of us. What really creates, you know, beauty and fulfillment and wonderful lives is not the things that we acquire. It's the way that we feel inside and the way that we choose to be in our world today, right now, as enough. That's what we're going to be doing. That's wonderful. So tell us about the logistics of this work with men that you're, you're creating. Yes, it will be um, a Tuesday evening course. We will start in September. There will be a questionnaire process, a screening process for men to complete um, a series of questions like, are you willing to show up on Tuesday evenings from six to nine? <laughs> are you willing to do self-reflective work that will require you to 
take responsibility for yourself. What do you love about your life right now? And where do you feel you're getting stuck? Um, what do you want the most help with? Are you willing to work with a community of like-minded people that are exploring what men's leadership leading through the lens of love would look like at a larger scale? Um, are you willing to give feedback to me as the instructor? Are you willing to let me fumble, <laughs> fall on my face and completely fail in order to succeed? Uh, all of that. And so for the first program, it will be a pilot program and nobody will pay anything unless they want to. I'm taking 10 people. When I say people won't pay anything, there will be a screening process with an opportunity to donate funds if people want to. And if people are coming in at an income that qualifies them, I will ask them to apply for the Vermont grant because if I can get paid, I want to, but I'm committing to zero cost for this one time in exchange for testimonials and the feedback and input so that we can grow the program. So how will you be meeting with these 10 men together at the same time? every Tuesday night? So what I'm going to do, yes, it will be, it'll be a course. There will be bonus trainings that come with it. So right now what I'm talking about is leading life through the lens of love, which is the exploration of fear to love through the fear to love spectrum created by Jack Russell and applying love conscious leadership skills, like how to fall in love with yourself. You know, it actually is, it requires skills and then how to set goals and achieve them. You know, all the things that you, you learned about when you went through that workbook. And then the bonus trainings are going to be based on energy alignment and soul alignment. So for people who want to go deeper into the programming part and they want to do it in the body more than they want to do it from, you know, mind shifting, there will be a daily coaching live where they'll have access to me for 30 minutes a day. And it's basically just a morning coaching where I come on and there's a couple of literature books that go with it. And I just talk about what we're learning in the program. And then I apply it through modeling. So it might be, let's talk about intention setting today. What does it feel like to be in this intention that you've set for yourself? And in the land between wanting and having, here are some habits. Here are some ways that you can create enoughness right now. Here are some ways that you can create lovableness right now. All of that. It includes movement. It includes uh, meditative praying. And prayer for me is about connecting to energy and source but people can choose how they define their own prayer space. And then the final closing of the morning is all about just um, what are you saying yes to today? Leaving the day with, with clarity around what they're choosing for their day in alignment with their bigger goal. And then the clarity breath work is um, another bonus. So the, the Thrive with the Daily Live, if you were to purchase it, is $1,900. It's a one-year coaching program. And the people who are in it say it's the best thing since sliced bread. I didn't create it. The students called me to, to do more coaching and I started exploring it and it just became something like that's the creatorship, right? So if you were to pay for it, it'd be $1,900 and it will be free to people who join the Leading Life class. And then the Clarity Breathwork, eight sessions. It's actually seven sessions. 
is all about using your breath and I, you know about breath work, but it's using the clarity breath work modality to practice um, cell cleansing and teaching people how to get clear about programming and then asking the body or the highest good to release energies that no longer serve and to transmute frequency within cells. And so that's been a piloted program this past year and I've got amazing results. So I'm now charging for those seven um, sessions. It's $5.95 for the package. And it, again, it will be free to the people who join Leading Life. People have access to me for coaching through Messenger um, for the 13 weeks of the program. And there will be a community Facebook group for people to join so that if people want to connect and communicate through a private Facebook group, that will be available as well. So you'll be doing the breath work over Zoom, I presume? Yeah, the breath work will happen over Zoom. Um, it will be on, those will be on Wednesday evenings, most likely, either Wednesdays or Sundays. I had that part of the schedule is not fully um, developed yet. And then the coaching program is daily and it's recorded. So everything is recorded. People don't have to come to those live events. I'm going to be asking people to come on Tuesday evenings. But then the extra stuff, the bonuses are all recorded. People can come to the live events or they can schedule dates with themselves and they can do those practices on their own at times that work for them. I have a lot of people that come to Clarity Breathwork for the first session because they want to learn it and they want to feel supported. And then they do it on their own. My big breathwork day is Sunday and I also have um, a coach and I don't go to her live things. I do it through recording because... The time that I want to do it is on Sunday. And so I just pull up the recording, I create my space, and I do the breath work, and it's the energy is just as good. So, yeah, it's the direct practice itself. Yeah. So, it sounds like a pretty amazing thing that you're offering for the first group. Yeah. So, 10 people, and I'm sure that a lot of it will be word of mouth, but I, I am only going to take people who are ready. Because I don't want to set people up to fail. And I believe that people have to be ready to step into action and understand that the actions don't have to be perfect, but we don't get where we want to be as a couch potato or staying in the story. And so we're going to be stepping out of the old story, creating the new and being in the now with love and watching the magic happen in our lives. That is what I plan on. Whether or not people receive that, Tonio, like I said, it's going to be, it's going to be a river rafting experience. <laughs> we'll see if there's any big rocks in the way. I'm a visionary. I don't see the details. I'm sure there will be a lot of details that unfold with this. Yeah, but I think your vision connected to your, your heart and your intention and the feeling desire that you have will make it happen no matter what rocks or obstacles or challenges appear, because those will, of course, help inform you to do better in the future. Yes. Um, again, the challenge, of course, is whether, and this is not your challenge, the challenge mm -hmm. is whether people recognize the value of all that you're offering with this, because all three things that you're offering are very, very powerful. I know that just from my experience with breath work, um, I've looked at some of the some of the tools in there and realized this is very, very powerful stuff. And then it's just a matter of whether people can even imagine 
the power and possibility of it within the context and framework of their own perspective of themselves and the world. Absolutely. And if you're someone listening to this, just ask yourself, where am I right now in my life? Is this the life that I want to live in my future? And if no, am I willing to trust and surrender to a possible way of creating a life that I love? Um, And if so, it's worth applying. And I know that there will be fear. My son has let me know that men are private more than they're public about their stuff. And so what I'm saying is if, you know, 10 men are willing to come to a group, then all of those 10 men are all coming with the same fears. And that's what unites us is that we're all looking to meet the same needs. And if you're wanting happiness in your life and you're willing to step into self-knowing and understanding what it is that makes you tick, what makes other people tick, and then are you willing to lead that? Because I know for me with my children and I think about my son, I have created the beautifulness that I have in my life. And it wasn't always that way. I I come from a dark story, as you've heard. When I made the decision to create my life, then I made the choice to get clear about what that would look like for me. And I had no idea what it would feel like back then, but I just knew that where I was wasn't where I was going to choose to be. So, so much of this is just about trusting. Um, And yeah, it might be completely different for some people. And then there will be other people that are already on the path and they're just looking for that community. And so I'm open to whoever shows up and I trust the universe because I've put the request out. I'm calling in 10 men, you know, you get to go find them and, you know, send them to me and I'm going to take some actions. I'm doing this. I'm going to do a Facebook ad and I'm going to put out a flyer to all the people that I know. And then the screening process will be very simple. It'll be a survey monkey and a phone call with me. And then ultimately together we'll make the decision if it's in the highest good. So thank you so much, Tonio, for this opportunity to share. Oh, you're totally welcome. Where can people find out more about all of this? Yeah, so you are welcome to find me on Facebook and friend me. It's Jody Marquis, or you can go to Chance for Change Institute and find my page. But If you just want quick, fast track, my phone number is a public phone number. It's 802-673-7405. And just if you text me, I'm texting you about the men's leadership program. Or you can email me at chanceforchangevt at gmail.com. And that's chanceforchangevt at gmail.com. Eventually, I will have something on my website. But right now, I don't have it there. So phone call email me or find me on Facebook and send me a message. And give your phone number again. 802-673-7405. Texting is perfectly fine and works best because my phone box fills up daily. Um, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, it only holds like 12 messages. So um, if you can't leave a message, just send me a text. I am happy to return it and it will only take me between 24 and 48 hours to get back to you. Well, I'm intrigued myself (laughs) to join you in this. Well, you know, the application is open to everyone. So people would get that application by either calling you or emailing you or texting you. Um, Yep. And it will just be, so what will happen is if you email me, 
there's going to be a sign up link where like some people will see me on Facebook, they'll click on it, they'll enter their email. Some people will call me and I'll give them the Facebook link and say, please enter your email. And then they get on the mailing list so that you're getting all the information that you need. And then we'll communicate individually through the text or the email or the messenger or however you contact me. But the process itself will be an actual, you know, enter your email, here's the screening questionnaire, fill out this questionnaire, schedule your interview, have your interview, make your decision. Once you've made your decision, here's the schedule. You know, it's all of that stuff. There will be a very clear process. And then we will, I haven't scheduled these things yet, but once we know who these beautiful, amazing, courageous men are, we'll figure out how we want to come together and spend time together before class starts so that there is a connectedness before we even get going. And if people say yes to the program in the fall, they'll automatically get access to the free stuff now because I always, I just say like life is happening now. So once I get a commitment, somebody says, yes, I want the slot. And I say, well, you're perfect for it here. Let's enroll you. From there, I'll say, and I'm going to create your support service where the person who helps me will help them you to sign on to the daily coaching and the clarity breathwork. And whatever's going on for events, it'll be free to the people coming in because that's how I provide service. Well, you're offering a lot. It's very, very generous of you. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like a lot, Tonio, because I live with enough now, right? Um, everything is integrated. So the people that paid for Clarity Breathwork will be coming and the people who are getting it because they paid for something else are coming. It's still the same time slot. So I'm not putting more time. It's just allowing more people to be served and then asking for help from people I need in my life to support that. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, why not invite the world? That's right, because that's what we're growing. And my hope is that there will be, you know, men that get excited about leadership and want to actually become leadership coaches and trainers and, you know, however that looks like. I mean, I call myself a self-love coach, even though I'm, you know, I'm teaching leadership. The majority of the work I'm doing is helping people love themselves so that they can create because frequency is what creates. So if you're, if you're living in fear and lack, you're in, you're in a low frequency, you're going to get low frequency life experiences. If you're living in love and high frequency, you're going to get high frequency experiences. It's just how it works. So, you know, this is, this is not just an opportunity to create what you want. It's an opportunity to maybe become someone who's providing service through something that you connect with and allowing for that to be part of the evolution of this, perhaps, maybe. We need men leaders in the world. I'm saying that from a very deep place, like a little teary as I say it. My son's words to me, men need support. Men need to know that they belong. Men need to not be pushed aside and ridiculed for the cultures and the programmings that we were given and handed. We need the support just like women do. We don't know how to ask for it. And we mm -hmm. don't even know it's available to us in this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the term leadership is, is somewhat misleading because we yeah. tend to think of leadership in terms of business. And this is really more about leadership in terms of being of service in the world, which is almost the opposite. 
Well, let me let me clarify something. This is a really good point. Thank you for bringing it up. Leadership is not about our role of being in charge or our position that we hold. Leadership is the impact that we have on other people. Our ability to interact in ways that people become better because we were part of their life or you know not everyone's open to the influence but ultimately a leader isn't in the front of the line the leader is encouraging inspiring motivating supporting coaching and and helping others become their best selves and the reward is to teach something we have to learn something <laughs> so that's kind of how i look at it and i want to be clear i've worked in corporate america with companies who have hired me to come in and do leadership training and do you want to know what we end up talking about self-love and self-accountability because the leadership believes that if everyone else in my organization changes then the company will do better but the ultimate change happens within the leadership so i just want to settle that right here leading is not about position i mean people think it is it's marketed to that because corporate america will pay big dollars for someone to come in and tell you know tell everybody what the leader wants them to hear but the truth is, is that leadership is not about that. It's about who you choose to be when you wake up in the morning. And a self-sustaining leader is resourceful. And the way that I walked myself out of poverty, trauma, addiction, violence, all of those things was because I made the choice to become a better me, not from a place of broken, but from a place of leading. And the system was never the help. I did not get anything I needed from seeking support in the system because the system is designed to treat us as if we're broken and we have to be fixed. Not saying that we don't need resources, but for me, the leadership program, people like Jack Russell that came into my life and wouldn't allow me to make excuses wouldn't allow me to dummy it down and believe that I wasn't good enough. It was people like him that inspired me, motivated me and held me accountable, that gave me the tools and the courage to step into my own self leadership. That's what we're doing. Thank you for letting me say those last words. <laughs> my pleasure. And yeah, I think what we most deeply want really boils down to what we can help serve in the world and help create a better world for everyone, which is, I think, the ultimate service that we can contribute to the world. Absolutely. And thank you for doing your part, Tonio. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk with you again. You as well. And be well. Be well to you too. And thank you. That's it for this Magical Mystery Tour. Thank you so much for listening. If you missed any of the show or would like to hear it again, you can find this and all Magical Mystery Tour shows at soundcloud.com slash WGDR. That's soundcloud.com slash WGDR. And until next time, take good care of yourselves and each other.